On a combined NFL podcast of Raiders Rap and Niners Notebook, we discuss the off-field goings-on with both teams, the release of Reuben Foster and the firing of Reggie McKenzie. And since it's the holiday season, I'm going to let Matt Kawahara and Eric Branch hand out presents or lumps of coal to their teams based on the play so far, which has, as you well know, not been very good. Three wins does not deserve too much in the way of presence, but we'll see. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Mike Lerseth. Come on back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronicles NFL Podcast. Before we get going with this combo edition of Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap, we want to wish all of you a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays, or happy winter solstice. And if none of those apply to you and yours, Here's hoping your Wednesday has been pleasant. My name is Michael Seth, Assistant Sports Editor for the Chronicle and Coordinator of our NFL coverage. Joining me again today are 49ers beat writer Eric Branch and Raiders beat writer Matt Kawahara. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, Mike. Hey, very good. Hey, since last we talked, uh, there have been uh, major developments for both teams, and they've been off the field and for decidedly different reasons. Uh, Reuben Foster is no longer with the 49ers. And the Raiders this week cut ties with Reggie McKenzie. Uh, I want to start by asking you, Eric, about how the Foster story developed. And in particular, I understand there's a backstory that you uh, you might have drawn some unwanted attention from the authorities in Tampa. Is that right? Yes, that, that is correct. I, I was not the only person of interest that, that evening. Uh, uh, so, uh, yes, I, I'll, I'll try to quickly take a look through the story as far as how it was reported. Um, it was not a good day in that there were some uh, um, airplane delays, so I got into Tampa much later than expected. Um, but then I, I got some information that maybe something that was going on with Reuben Foster at the team hotel. Um, and after you know trying to confirm something, you know, with authorities over the phone, email, what have you, and, and having no immediate responses and running into a lot of dead ends, I thought, well, maybe I could, I'll just head over to the team hotel. Um, I was able to figure out w- where that was. I Ubered over there and, and began asking questions. The first questions were to um, some of the uh, uh, valet drivers, you know, younger guys. I said, um, you know, one of the questions was, did you see an ambulance here earlier this evening? And um, two guys told me yes. Um, and I was emboldened, so I began asking other people outside, kind of the hotel lobby, um, other questions about maybe what uh, they had seen or heard, etc. And then I was approached. Um, well, then I went inside and, and wanted to talk to the front desk manager. And at that time, um, I guess the hotel's head of security approached me um, and asked what I was doing there, identified myself, you know, as a newspaper reporter, I was asking these questions. He explained I wasn't a guest there, which I knew, um, and said, uh, you know, this is a condensed version, uh, but anyway, the short short version is um, this head of security and then the front desk manager uh, told me that if I didn't leave, um, you know, and didn't stop asking questions because I was not a guest, they, they would call the Tampa police and I would, I would be arrested for trespassing. Um, so at that point, I thought it was going to be hard to write a you know, potential story, which I still hadn't pinned down from jail. Um, 
So I, I did, I did call. Have, get, get have my, you ever tried it, Eric? Have you ever tried to write from jail? No, no. Oh, okay. They talk that. In retrospect, they could have led me to, I guess, Ruben Foster. But um, anyway, I, I did, uh, you know, thought. Obviously, I, I was annoyed. I thought it was a bit heavy-handed. But at the same time, um, you know, that wasn't a situation, you know, I, I could get involved in. I had kind of gotten whatever information I was going to get, you know, from talking to, you know, the valet uh, folks or, or whatever at the hotel. So, you know, uh, while annoyed, I, um, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, obviously didn't make a scene and uh, called Uber. And, and so they they both waited, um, you know, with me outside, uh, you know, about five to ten feet away until I got in, in my Uber and left. Uh, so anyway, uh, I got back to the hotel. And then at that point, with help from the, the desk back at the Chronicle, we were able to confirm that he was arrested. We were able to write the story. But, so uh, on, anyway. on, a, on a serious note, the, the folks who approached you at the hotel, uh, to the best of your knowledge, and you would certainly know the personnel, that was from the hotel, right? That was not from the 49ers asking you to move away? No, that, exactly. I did not at the hotel uh, you know, deal directly face-to-face with anyone from the 49ers. So, yeah, this was the hotel's head of security or maybe it was the third stringer on a holiday weekend. That was Thanksgiving. And uh, their front desk manager, uh, both very tough, macho guys. Wow. Wow. So did, did you did you actually f- go to the sidewalk and figure out, okay, they can't touch me here? You know, that game where I'm going to draw a line here and you're, gonna, you're not going to cross <laughs> that? Well, uh, no, it, it's a big resort hotel. Uh, so um, you drive in kind of through the gates and, and then you go a half mile until you actually reach the hotel. So I, I would have had um, to go quite a ways to actually get off their property. Okay. All right. Now, that that's that is uh, it's not often when uh, when a reporter here gets uh, threatened with arrest uh, covering a, a sporting team, but man, I'm glad everything worked out all right because I don't think Thanksgiving weekend would have been a great way to uh, or a great time to be in jail. So glad it uh, right. glad it all worked out. For you did record, an excellent job on that story, by the way. Well, thanks. And for the record, I that would have break, broken my streak of not having been arrested. Um, so. But you're still a young man. <laughs> That's right. I've so still plenty of time. Keep, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Matt, it's going to be a little hard for you to follow that up. Uh, uh, the firing of, of Reggie McKenzie this week, I don't think it was completely unexpected. As soon as Gruden got the job, as I think Scott Osler wrote, the clock started ticking on uh, on McKenzie's tenure. But uh, I was a little surprised, and I'm, I'm curious to find out if you were, that they – that they did it now with three games. It almost seems like, hey, it's a lost season. We're not going anywhere. Why not just finish out the three? Uh, it, did it catch you off guard, or, or was it kind of an any time uh, you were ready for it situation? Yeah, well, first of all, we did not find ourselves in any sort of legal jeopardy reporting uh, the news <laughs> of Reggie McKenzie's ouster earlier this week. Thank goodness. Uh, that was a pretty that was pretty safe ground that we were on. But, um, yeah, it, it was the timing of it was a little odd. Um, as you said, I think there were, I mean, even going back to January when John Gruden was first hired, the question, one of the main questions was, what is this dynamic going to be like between him and Reggie, who's going to have the power? And I think uh, given, you know, the size of his contract and Mark Davis, and even back in March at the owners' meetings coming out and saying, um, you know, Reggie's job is going to be to get the players that John Gruden wants for his team, 
it was pretty clear who was wielding the most power in the organization. And I don't know, there was a report uh, from CBS Sports that came out, sun, or I believe it was Sunday, before the Raiders played the Steelers, um, that basically said Reggie was going to be gone at the end of the year. And I don't know if that uh, sort of lit a fire under this situation, if, if potentially Reggie, who had gone along with his role all year, you know, saw that or, or, or was in some way impelled to just kind of bring it to a head and say, you know, this this isn't something that, I mean, this isn't something that I want to finish out or this isn't a, a situation that I want to be in anymore. Not sure if that's exactly what happened or if that report had any bearing on the timing of the decision, but now that Reggie is gone, yes, the, the Raiders are going to be looking for a new front office executive, but they have not specified whether that executive will be a general manager, and I think it's pretty clear at this point that whoever is brought in will be working either in tandem or at sort of the, uh, I don't know, whim or behest is the right word, but um, will be working to, to get the players that, that John Gruden wants. So that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward and along with where this team is going to be playing next year. Yeah, yeah, we can we can get into that a little bit later down the line. I, I thought it was interesting, too, when uh, you know when the report broke, as you said, on Sunday morning, that uh, you said you had no comments from Mark Davis and from Reggie which to me, you know, reading a little bit in there, you know, a denial is a denial, but no comment is oh, there might be something to this. And then, you know, Reggie seems like a, a fairly prideful man. And I guess if uh, the report was already out there, he might have, like you, you kind of hinted at there, taken it into his own hands and said, that's it, uh, I want out. Yeah, it wasn't clear. Obviously, John Gruden was the only one who sort of came out the next day and addressed the media. And he did his best to distance himself from uh, – from the, I guess the the final uh, the culmination of that, and it wasn't exactly clear who had called the meeting where this decision was made, uh, and and who had um, who had actually you know executed the okay this this, this relationship is yeah. ending, but uh, that, either way, that, yeah, it, it ended. And that that struck ahead. me as as fairly remarkable in that the the day after when Gruden addresses the media about this, his timeline of the events was. I won a game, I went home, and then I found this out. And I yep, that's what he said. I it's yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to uh, to wrap my head around that being the exact timeline. I don't want to come out and and, uh, and uh, say anything bad about Mr. Gruden's reputation, but it seems like if you're the head coach and you're expected to be here for ten years, that uh, you might have been clued in before that. Sure, and he also said that he and and Reggie are very close friends, but that. As of 1 p.m. on Monday, four or five hours after news had come out of, of Reggie's firing, that he hadn't spoken with Reggie yet. And we asked him today if, if the two had talked yet, and he said that they had exchanged messages. So it's all it's all a pretty murky situation. Obviously, McKenzie hasn't come out and said anything since it happened. Mark Davis has only made general comments, uh, sort of thanking Reggie and then saying that he, you know, he could have made things. Uh, difficult or complicated I guess a lot earlier and, and didn't um so yes it's 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 still odd but uh but at this point I think all parties are, are moving forward with it okay um so we we've covered Eric's near arrest and we've we've covered uh Reggie's uh unceremonious uh firing uh I'm gonna put on my Santa cap here this is a podcast but you can't see it I'm putting on a Santa cap and uh I'm gonna ask you guys to play uh, uh Chris Kringle here 
I'm giving you four opportunities to go to the Raiders stocking, Matt, and to the Niners stocking, Eric. And I want you to tell me, and we'll go back and forth, whether you're dumping a piece of coal in there or whether you're giving them a present and what is the present for or what is the coal for. So, Eric, with your first visit to the 49ers stocking, what are you doing? Uh, I'm going to give a gentleman a lump of coal who probably has never had a lump of coal in his uh, charmed life, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, Um, goodness. It it gives me no pleasure, uh, believe me, fellas. Um, But, yes, uh, his decision um, to not run out of bounds (laughs) and and to turn in and uh, to take on a hit. Um, We're talking about the macho guys uh, over the the Tampa Hotel. It was obviously uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek here, but, you know, that decision, um, you know, uh, sealed the season for the 49ers. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, if this was a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo, but there have been a lot of close losses uh, since that injury that you would think, uh, you know, a slightly better quarterback could, could have made the difference in. Um, so, again, uh, Jimmy may not even know what Cole looks like, uh, but he gives it for that decision. Well, with, with the contract he signed, he's what, smashing Cole into diamonds at this point, I guess. So you may have given him a diamond ring, but... Uh... Yes, yeah, exactly. Macho men, I'm sure. All right, Matt, your call. Uh, first, uh, first visit to the Raiders. Uh, I'm sure it's a silver and black stocking. What are you doing with it? Uh, I guess I'm more in the uh, holiday spirit than Eric. It might have to do with my not uh, <laughs> facing the prospect of arrest recently, but um, I'm going <laughs> present first, and this one is going to uh, tight end Jared Cook, who has probably had the best individual season of any player on the Raiders. Um, he would he would definitely be uh, if you know if people looking at this roster he's probably their best candidate for a Pro Bowl selection he's he's already set uh, career best in catches and receiving yards and receiving touchdowns he ranks in the top five in the NFL in all those categories um, John Gruden and Derek Carr both come out and said that if if Cook doesn't get consideration or an invite to the Pro Bowl then there should be an, an investigation into how that goes down. And Cook has been basically the only real reliable passing target Derek Carr has had all season. Uh, he's um, he's really had basically his, his one of his best, if not his best, years as a pro um, with this team. So one thing to keep an eye on this off season will be uh, how hard the Raiders push to get him back. He'll be a free agent after this year. He's had two years with Derek Carr, and they've obviously built up some sort of chemistry. So. But for now, we are uh, we are delivering a present to the uh, fireplace of Jerry Cook. Very good, very good. On your second visit, Eric, what are you going with? Well, let me just say because I know everyone cares about everyone else's fantasy team. Jared Cook's been on my fantasy team, and I, I'd echo everything Matt just said. What a wonderful, what a wonderful player! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give a, um, a present, and I think the timing would be right to uh, the Forty Nineers tight end. Uh, pretty obvious pick here, George Kittle, um, and he's been pretty you know, good. Yeah, if Jared Cook doesn't go to the Pro Bowl, they don't need to launch an investigation. It's because you know uh, it's Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz. No, no disrespect to the wonderful uh-huh. Jared, Jared Cook, um, but yeah, Kittle has been. You know, he was pretty good as a rookie, and you know, I thought you know, obviously based on that, there was reason to see him 
progress this year, uh, but I don't think anyone saw this coming. You know, he's on pace to break Robert Gronkowski's um, single-season receiving uh, record for a tight end. Obviously, on Sunday, he came five yards shy of breaking Shannon Sharp's single-game receiving record for a tight end. Um, and uh, yeah, he obviously, he, you know, that kind of says it all. He's been fantastic. Um, so yes, George Kittle. Um, gets the biggest present. Very good. Very good. All right. So we've, we've got a, we've got a, a present and a call from the 49ers. So, uh, uh, Matt, you going to balance it out or are we going with more presents for the Raiders? No, we'll even it out here, too. Okay. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the first form of Raiders call will be going just to the, uh, the pass rush in general. Um, obviously, this comes with the, uh, the, the caveat of uh, the potentially the defining move of this Raiders season, which was the trade of Cleo Mack on September 1st. Uh, the Raiders as a team have 11 sacks uh, currently, and then that's half of the total of the next lowest team, which is the Dolphins. They have 22. It's also less than 10 individual players have on this season. Um, so oh, their pass yuck. rush has been <laughs> very, very lacking. Um, and it's really hurt them because they cornerback has been a, a – a, a position of need on this team for a good long time, and they've actually had some decent uh, play from their corners, especially their young corners, Gary Conley and, and Daryl Worley, um, this season. But it hasn't really; uh, those guys haven't had any help, and neither have uh, any of the second and third level defenders had any help by the fact that quarterbacks have had all day to just sit back in the pocket and throw and wait for their receivers to get open, wait for routes to develop, and that's a big part of the reason why the Raiders' defense has allowed the second-highest uh, passer rating uh, to opponents in, in the league this season. So Raiders' pass rush getting a lump of coal. All right, we're spreading it out evenly here. Uh, Eric, your third uh, trip to the stocking, next to last one. You going present or a lump of coal? Uh, we get Reuben Foster gets a lump of coal. Oh, um, yes. And, uh, you know, just after the offseason he had, his first NFL offseason, when he had two arrests, and I think it was made clear to him, um, you know, you're hanging on here by a, a very thin thread. And then to invite, you know, the girlfriend, which he obviously had legal troubles from the offseason, um, and invite her to the team hotel before a game. As Kyle Shanahan said, it was incomprehensible to him. And, and you know, this doesn't speak to obviously what, what has been alleged. Uh, you know, I do want to say, you know, I had a very difficult upbringing. Um, I, I'm not privy to all those details, but, but you know, um, you know, it's easy to, you know, I guess say, geez, how, how could you do this and everything. So I realize so much goes into this. Um, but just, I guess, broadly speaking, um, for him to know his kind of NFL career had to be somewhat in jeopardy and, and still make some of those de- decisions. Um uh, obviously not a good move. And yeah, yeah it, and it's it's hard for him to or for me to see him. Uh, and it should be in any environment. I will say that, but especially in this environment now, um, you know, you wonder if at what is he twenty three, twenty four years old? If if, yeah, if his career is over, I mean, he, I know Washington claimed him, but uh, they did so with uh, other than a, a severe hit to their reputation in public. Uh, you know, very little uh, uh, risk to their payroll or anything like that. They, they've said that he needs to go through the legal process and all that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the man's going to play again in the league. Well, uh, unfortunately, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Uh, 
And so we, we shall see how that plays out. Very and, good. Uh, yeah. All right, Maddie, your next to last pick. You got uh, you got one present for uh, Cook at tight end, and a, a lump of coal for the pass rush. What say you on the third pick? Uh, we're gonna go present, and we're giving this one to Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr had he was taking a lot of flack uh, earlier in the season, especially when the Raiders, as the Raiders got off to uh, a very disappointing start. Carr had thrown a lot of interceptions through the first few weeks, and he was taking a good amount of sort of heat from the outside, especially after the game in which uh, he was sacked uh, probably six or seven times. I, I don't remember off the top of my head if this was the Seahawks or the 49ers game, but there was a clip of him clearly in discomfort, and so there were people accusing him of crying on the field. He took a lot of a lot of you know punishment. Um, in the first few weeks, and recently it seems like he has gotten a lot more comfortable uh, picking up John Gruden's offense in his first season. He's also been a lot more efficient, and he's gone eight games without throwing an interception. He's on pace right now to set career best in completion percentage, passer rating, uh, passing yards, and average yards per attempt, even though he was getting criticized a lot for doing uh, little check-down throws uh, early in the season. So, I think there was going to be sort of a, a natural growing pain process uh, with him running his fourth offense in five seasons. Um, he weathered that, and he has shown definite signs of improvement. So uh, we are putting a, a bow on the on the season. Very good. Derek Carr. And, and he's done the intelligent thing and not trying to cut back in when he's running toward the sidelines because that's going to get him a lot of call. Yes, yeah. he, is yeah. Very, yeah. he has yeah. been very quick hit the turf yeah. <laughs> all right one more for you eric your last uh your last one are we going to square the the ledger out or are we going to go uh go heavy coal here which way are we going no I, i'm not that type of guy i i'm in the spirit uh in the holiday spirit um but the niners current quarterback uh gets a little present here nick mullins who even hardcore fans probably didn't know who nick mullins was a, a few months ago um, I barely knew. No, I, I did have <laughs> awareness of who he was. But you know, he he be, he spent all night undrafted, you know, free agent from 2017. Spent all his rookie year on the practice squad. Spent the first three weeks on the practice squad. Only got his chance because C.J. Beathard got hurt before the uh, Raiders game, uh, that that Thursday night game. And honestly, I mean, I'd seen him play in the preseason, and he had some moments where he was okay. But it just preseason and regular season is so much different. And I was, I, I honestly was ready for it to be a complete disaster for him, you know, on national television. And I talked to him a couple times and really liked him as a, as a guy. And I, I remember thinking, gosh, I, I hope it's just not awful, like public humiliation. And, of course, he had one of the best, you know, first NFL starts in NFL history. Um, and, you know, it, it hasn't all been roses for him through his five starts. Um, however, he's been far better than anyone expected. Um, in his last two starts, he's thrown for 746 yards, which is the most by a 49-inch quarterback since Joe Montana in 1990 in back-to-back games. So, um, you know, and he has limitations. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the biggest arm. But he is a very quick decision-maker. He, he seems like a natural leader. Um, and he has really good command. I mean, all the you know kind of cliche and tangibles uh, people attach to quarterbacks. He does seem to have, and I think if nothing else, um, he's proven he can stay in the league 
Well, you don't have a long career as a backup, and, and who knows? Maybe in the right situation uh, down the road, he gets another starting opportunity. Very good, very good. I like uh, good points, one and all. Uh, Matt, the last uh, the last trip to the stocking. What what are you doing? What are you, are you I'm going? Not sure. I'm not sure if Eric mentioned there that Nick Mullins' debut did come against the Raiders' defense, and that was probably it. <laughs> well, he's trying to be charitable given the season. Yeah. <laughs> Right, given the way the Raiders uh, played, I don't know if that was you know a, a true NFL debut, um, <laughs> a triple A football debut. Yeah, that was arguably the nadir of this season for uh, for the uh, Raiders. But anyway, um, last trip to the stocking, uh, we're going Cole, and we are going to give this one to John Gruden, um, and. <laughs> I think there was a, a, a moment, I, for, I don't remember exactly which week it was, but it was uh, Gruden was in his, uh, his Monday press conference, and um, he basically said that his fingerprints were all over the Raiders' record at that point. And I think that can be <laughs> extrapolated to the entire season, everything that has gone on this year. Obviously, the record is 3-10, and 10, but really the, the thing that is probably going to leave the more sour taste in a lot of people's mouths is the fact that back in January when they hired him, he came in and in his introductory press conference, he said he wanted to put the best possible football team, football product on the field uh, for Oakland Raiders fans for the last two years, ostensibly at that point, that they were going to be playing in Oakland. And somewhere along the line, um, that plan changed or was not, ever really going to be the plan um either way that's that isn't what has happened and a lot of the moves that the Raiders and that Gruden have made are have been clearly more geared toward to building in the long term and building a team that is going to be successful either when they relocate to Vegas in 2020 or, or shortly thereafter and um and I think uh fans here in Oakland have you know had to pay the price a little bit of of having gotten their hopes up and, and seeing a, a, a very disappointing team on the field uh, this season and and potentially the same next year, depending on if uh, if this is actually where the team ends up playing. So yeah. um, disappointing and uh, kind of a down note to end on. But uh, well, I was going to I was going to mention, and uh, you know, you said earlier that uh, that Jared Cook might be the only one, uh, the only Raider that gets any kind of a postseason award or honor uh, and I'm not going to claim this as an original thought but I've seen it said a couple of places that uh, uh, whether it was Gruden or McKenzie who did the Mac trade to the Bears and the uh, Amari Cooper trade to the Cowboys whoever pulled that off should be named NFL executive of the year because they've helped two teams get into the playoffs <laughs> which I don't think has ever been done in NFL history before so the real positive spin. There you go. That was that a present? I'm not sure if that's a present or a lump of coal. But, but before I uh, before I spin completely out of control, I think I'm going to bring this one to an end. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me. Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap are part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor in chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you got a minute, give us a quick review. That helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow all of us on Twitter at Eric underscore Branch, Matthew Kawahara, or Mike Lurseth. You can email me, mlurseth at sfchronicle.com. Support Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions available. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash 
subscribe. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.